You want a binder on? No, I don't care. Baby, this is Carl. I'm over it all. If we have a problem, you can give me a call. Step back, refocus, take a breath. Go on. Step back, refocus, take a breath. Go on. Step back, refocus, take a breath. Go on. I don't like Mondays. Tell me why. Y'all know that song? I'm gonna shoot. No. The whole day down. Hey, you know what? You know, I come from a family of dancers. We're all really accomplished (laughs) dancers. So, you know, it's it's to emulate, you know what I mean? You just don't hate. We're both very relaxing. Are we? That's just because we have really deep conversations on a near constant basis. So it's always some type of process. And you're just looking at us processing mm-hmm. or process. You know what I mean? Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. Hope she still likes me in a couple of years. Maybe. Yeah. You never know. Shit, people break up. And maybe you won't like me. As, as far as I couldn't be You're going through your trip. Saturn return. I am going through my Saturn's mm-hmm. return. And. We won't talk about that right now, but we'll have a special guest podcast mm. coming up for you soon. And we'll be getting into my Saturn return, your Saturn return, and everybody's Saturn return, even if you don't believe that it's a thing. I didn't believe it was a thing, but I'm certainly going through the motions at 27 years old. This mm-hmm. has been a tumultuous, internally tumultuous year, mm-hmm. even as it's been super stable in other ways what make what made you believe it believe what in the saturn return what made me believe in the saturn return i start. i think with astrology it's important to take the things that resonate with you and with the rest you just leave it um or if you don't necessarily understand it i think what helps is to just enhance your reading around it but also just talk to other people who do um i'm a natural skeptic what's going on australia what it do Everybody is so sweet. Thank you so much. Everybody keeps saying I love you. Thank you. We love you too. You know what? It's so funny. So sweet that we getting all this love this episode because this is our special winter is coming edition of Hood Rat to Head Rat. Mm -hmm. So winter is here, and you know, and on the other side of cuffing season. It's seasonal effect. What's cuffing disorder. season for people that don't know? For cuffing season, I don't know if all, in Australia y'all have cuffing season, if y'all cuff each other, if y'all use that language. Um, but cuffing season is just when it get cold, you want to be with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, you just want to, I guess this is the time where people supposedly bond closer because it's cold. I don't know. What you think, man? Yeah, cuffing, you want to be in a relationship. Cuff as in like handcuff, get your, you feel me? Yes. Like get your person. Yeah. Or persons. Yeah. And y'all do it whatever way you need to. Feeling it hard. Yeah, oh, I get that. Oh, I miss you too. I'm, but thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, cuffing season on the other side of cuffing season is seasonal affective disorder, depression, anxiety, the blues. It's getting dark outside. It's getting dark inside. Mm-hmm. It's getting cold inside and outside. This this season and the changes that accompany it can be really taxing on folks' mental health. So the fact that y'all are sending us so much love at a really tender time means a lot. And we send it back. And we send it back. Mm-hmm. And I'm also thinking about all of those with seasonal depression or who just, you know, maybe this month isn't a good month for you traditionally or you just don't like the winter, you don't like the cold, you may not have 
all the fly layers and winter gear. I know that winter was difficult for me last year because I didn't have no money, um, really. So it was difficult. I didn't have all the clothes mm-hmm. and things that I thought I needed or, you know, the all the, the winter guard, the Uniqlo heat tech and all that shit. I don't have none of that. I have some gloves. I think I bought you some heat you tech. Bought, so. You bought me every single winter item I own. <laughs> That's not every, true. Your you mama bought you me. some stuff too. She did, but you bought me like all the things I actually wanted yeah. <laughs> for, for winter. Like I got like a, a Levi jacket with the with the fleece and the shearling in the inside and all that shit. I wanted that for my whole life. <laughs> I seen it on Cheers. I did get you it's that. like one of those middle That of was your thing. Christmas gift and now this year you don't want to do presents. No, I don't want to do presents, but of course, but your birthday is so close to Christmas that it's just like. And my love language is gifts, so you got to just deal. Well, I'm a deal. I'm going to do what I got to <laughs> do. I'm going to make those sacrifices in, in, in capitalism in order to keep my boo because it's cuffing season. <laughs> <laughs> she hates me right now. We, won't talk, we don't tell y'all all our business. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, this is a special edition of Hair Rap to Hair Rap. Just hella tender, just feeling really vulnerable mm-hmm. and tender and raw. Um, and I think the special thing about this season is it does it to you. It's also the world is hella dark and hella crazy as fuck. Mm-hmm. So all the love is appreciated tenfold, given. How it is, I think. The world is matching the winter. The world is matching the winter, mm-hmm. for sure. So this is, yeah, this is the time to, that at least for me, I'm really looking out for my mental health. As some of you may know, that I've been very resistant to therapy, and I've been very re- resistant, skeptical of going, but, you know, I made me a couple of appointments, or I've been reaching out to therapists, so... I'm going to actually do that because I'm going to just go ahead and get my shit together and clothe my spirit and some care. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to really do that. Yeah, I'm still anxious. Thank you for raising that. Yeah. How are you feeling, babe? Um... I feel like this morning, you okay? Mm-hmm. Do y'all know some lower back things or middle back things that you can do? Because Eb is always part about not telling all our baby. Oh, I'm telling that. Eb is always moving and shaking to stretch out his back. And he just, we need some exercises that he can do. Um, so his back feels better because it happens. It happens often. Yeah. Sorry. You didn't consent to me. Yeah, I didn't that, consent to that. I feel like they could help. I feel like they could tell us. Hi, Caramel Baldy. What's up? Um, but yeah, I'm still feeling pretty anxious. I think um, I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning, and Ebony was reading an article about finances, which he's going to talk about more. But just wealth and wealth disparity in we this woke country. Up read- I woke up. He reading woke that. up reading that, and then I've also what's all been on my mind lately is that, and we'll talk about this more too, is like like what I'm seeing more of is this Instagram activism, these like one minute snippet videos of generally speaking, a light skinned black person or a white person talking about the end of white supremacy or name dropping sexism, feminism, um, any ism to kind of like address folks. And I just feel like it's so without any sort of movement. I feel like what's happening is that there's been a rise of, Instagram activists and not to not to denounce the ways in which people do activism, but it kind of feels shallow and sometimes it doesn't make any sense. 
So sometimes someone is talking about white supremacy and they literally have no idea what they're talking about. Or what the but, impact is. Or what the impact is, but they're saying it because that's what's popular to talk about now. And it's infuriating because it's never been popular for me to talk about white supremacy. Even when I talk about it now, there's still a response on the other end that is oftentimes not received. Um, hashtag the last workshop that I did uh, wasn't didn't go that well there was a lot of argument back and forth around you know the impact of white supremacy so I just sometimes get in my head about what impact am I having and what difference am I making I know that I'm beyond an Instagram activist and I do work beyond that but I feel like the people that are getting a lot of clout and a lot of um press and are in the mainstream or careers are going to continue to flourish say really stupid things <laughs> and I don't I don't want people to diminish the work of activists who've come before us James Baldwin Audre Lorde Bell Hooks um you know Bell Hooks is still here but still came before us you know Asada Shakur all of these people have done so much work so much labor and I feel like people have take their work and diminish it down to nothing so they can have get more followers and i hope i'm making sense i don't it's know it's a just, lot of sense to me so i just get in my head and then i'm walking around our neighborhood and where we live is predominantly west indian black neighborhood low and low income it's Retirees. pretty much a food desert where we live mm -hmm. and i'm walking i'm trying to buy coriander and coconut milk and i walked into two stores that did not have coriander which i wasn't surprised by i don't think that's a common seasoning um but they didn't have coconut milk either which i think in a predominantly west indian community there should be coconut milk when I left the post office, when I was at the post office, there were so many black and brown people who were lined up to send stuff away or to do whatever they needed to do at the post office. And they were kind of mm -hmm. like treated like crap. And I'm just, you know, it's already, and it's, when I leave the post office, already gloomy outside. I'm thinking about wealth disparity. I'm walking through our neighborhood, which is a food desert. I can't find any fucking coconut milk or coriander. And I'm just upset. I'm upset because what matters is some silly Instagram personality that has millions of dollars oftentimes or more money than most of the people in my neighborhood, but they're the ones that are listened to. They're the ones that have some sort of like social clout or social uh, movement. And then the thing is, is this neighborhood hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. You said a bunch of shit on Instagram or you had some major event where you invited some activists or people that said white supremacy one time in their life or defined it mm -hmm. for the first time in their life. And now that means something. But what difference did it really make? Right. Sorry, I'm going off. I'm go just, off. Go <laughs> off. I just anxiety. I just go I, off. And then my anxiety is, you know, I put my supposed picture in the status that I put is sometimes I feel like I'm not enough. Sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough. And that is that's just what anxiety feels like for me. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like it's I'm not enough. It feels like, yes, I was on the road for the past six days. We came back on Friday or seven days, seven days, seven days. Five airplanes. Yeah. We came back on Friday. It's now Monday. And now I need to be working. Like I need to be going. I need to be writing this book. I need y'all to hold me to account for that, but I need to be <laughs> doing all of these things. And I just don't have the energy to do it. I just want to watch Netflix, make fish curry and eat the entire bag of cookies that are in the pantry. I don't want to do shit, but I feel like I don't, I don't feel like it. I know I don't have the privilege to not do anything. Yeah. 
I don't have the privilege to not do anything. Yeah. So it's hard. It's okay, baby. Pause due to poor connection. <laughs> Perfect, because I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they can still see us or hear us. No. So we're doing a live edition for all of you listening out there in La La Land. <laughs> Yeah, it gets emotional on this end, but it paused. That must have been the Lord. Is the internet doing? working? Willie, Wami? It's, it's working, working now. now. Okay. Okay. Hey, y'all. Hi. All right. We're okay. back in the we'll stay. Okay. All right. So, babe. Yeah. Sorry. So, uh, y'all I'm not going to do that rant time. again. You, you don't know. <laughs> I hope y'all got that. Y'all got most of it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just upset. I just feel like shit is mad shallow and people are dying um period so it's just it's upsetting it's infuriating and, and for those who aren't dying you know you don't have to die that's to to be suffering and then it's also the the gag is is that there's people that are suffering and i am focused on not getting some sort of instagram fame or being recognized for my work that's yeah. a gag. Yeah. And I don't know if that's rooted in capitalism or white supremacy and capitalism makes you compete. So it definitely is capitalism. Clearly. But like, that's how it feels. It feels like I'm I'm mad at the people that are shallow. Then I'm being shallow as a result. In a response. Yes. So I'm just annoyed. <laughs> I'm annoyed with myself. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed that I get trapped into... You know the same things that I talk about fighting up against. It's just it's annoying. Well, you're impacted by it, right? And you help. You don't have any pretense about right. it. So one thing I want to contextualize for you, just because you mentioned like you know you had a workshop and you said it didn't go well, which is not true. That's another thing about how hard the job that you oh, do is. Yeah, is that the what is the measurement for not doing well? I think if you're in a room. And you are tasked and hired to teach a whole bunch of white people about how gender works. And they don't, they're reluctant to get it. And they're telling you about hunter gatherers and all this other shit. Mm -hmm. You know, if they all leave the room clapping and smiling and saying, gee, I feel great about myself. That I think you did a bad job. If they all leave the room clapping and smiling. Yeah. I led a workshop on essentially on gender. And anytime I talk about gender, it is, it is to um, impact the colonization that has happened around gender. So this workshop, I talked about, you know, where does, where do, where do we know the gender binary to come from? Where mm-hmm. does that come from that we have that understanding that there's two? Mm-hmm. And I brought out all these examples. We talked about historical implications and someone says European colonization. And I said, that's correct. And this one person in the space was like, no, that can't be true. Like, what about um, Greek? What about Greeks or Greek Gratian time or the I don't even know what the hell she's talking about. And then another person was like, what about hunter gatherers? And I'm like, that doesn't they weren't even real fucking people. And who were they? Like this very elementary understanding of gender, which just makes me want to throw a table. Yeah. Because I'm work when you lead, when you lead a workshop you're working really fucking hard right unless you are a lazy presentation person but even if you are like it's a great on PowerPoint right. it's a great deal of energy to make sure that people are getting the objectives that you set forward are getting the work that you intended for them to get so somebody to diminish what you say or to be like oh that I don't think that's true that is just white supremacy especially when you are saying it to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like to be disagreeing, I don't disagree. That's what you said. I literally do not disagree with the geometry teacher. 
I would not disagree with them because they know geometry. I don't know what the fuck geometry is. But right. if you're in a gender one-on-one class, then I I assert you don't know much about gender. Right. So why are you saying I disagree? Like, right. from what? And then your disagreement is backed by something that didn't even fucking exist. In the I'm first gonna, place. Yeah. Go off. <laughs> oh, this is a special come get them edition. Get them. <laughs> it's hella frustrating. And I think... On the whole Instagram social media tip, it is an expectation that people have, people are not necessarily perfect, but there's an expectation that you live up to some ideal or that there's some type of pretense that you operate from. Even if that pretense or premise is a social justice one, like I'm hella woke, I'm an activist, I self-care, I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, this sort of paragon or beacon of all that is righteous or all that is conscious um and half of the time that's just not the case and i think what's really difficult about the work that you do is that uh, it's almost no reprieve from it it's like you're a black film in the world you on the road you on the airplane you get followed in stores in la and you're also a public figure on social media who is now touted with this platform or with this given this level of social capital and has this platform and has this ability to talk to a whole bunch of people and to espouse all of these ideas to them about the things that actually impact you. So you have to do that and be impacted by it at the same time and deal with it. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like there's pressure for me to dumb shit down. There is. For me to just be like, oh, you know, white supremacy isn't just, isn't white people being in power. Right. It's also, you know, men being in power. Like, I, <laughs> I just feel like people want this shit real, like, cookie cutter, easy, and not have to actually deal with the impacts of slavery or the transatlantic slave trade or any of that shit. I need to denounce that all of that happened in order for it to actually get through to people sometimes. And when I say people, I mean all people, even black folks. Of course. Like, I just, I feel like there's a whole resistance and that's why people on like Instagram activists, like I call them, or even activists in the world, sometimes when they start dumbing down their, their work, they get further. And that is a gag. That's a mess. Like, that's not cool that that's how our society works. But I guess, you know, that is rooted in the systems that we are are structured in like it wouldn't make sense that someone that is out to demolish systems or infiltrate systems that they would get far publicly yes they would get far maybe on the harriet tubman tip like on the dl like not really people many people knowing about it It has to be a secret right but not like in this very like instagram four hundred thousand follower kind of Oh, I'm speaking at this such and such gala and this one talking about revolutionary right. shit. Like, I don't think that there's a, there's not the space to talk about revolutionary shit at all of these events. It's just not. Well, the events are a lot of the times, like you say, you don't put to make there's this whole diversity ploy that's also inside of the conversation mm-hmm. about Instagram and social consciousness and social justice being in vogue. Anything that's co-opted by the mainstream and is dissolved by the mainstream, it loses what its intended purpose initially was. Why? Well, you can, because that's not the point. Diversity, like I talked to you about, they invite you to these events, you know, half the time, if, oh, it's a, a reproductive justice event or it's an event about anything, 
uh, that's within the realm of social justice, any issue that needs to be absolved. They invite you to this event and we go there and it's half the room is white. Right. And it begs the question is like, who is this? Like you say, who is this for? Mm -hmm. But it's also like you want people want you to speak at their events or they want, you know, people from marginalized groups to speak at these events but they don't necessarily want the people to attend these events, people from our communities to be right. in attendance. Either the cost is hella prohibitive right. such that the people can't even attend to can't even attend it. Or they just don't know people from marginalized communities, the people who actually produce and run these events. And like I always say, diversity is something that white people created once they realized that we weren't there and that us being there would be problematic to whatever they need, which is profit. Mm. whatever they need to persist, whatever a complex needs to feed itself. Mm. And so whether that be at your nonprofit and they say, you know, Hey, we have a black executive director or we have a black director or a black coordinator, or whether that be at a production company, we say, Oh, we have black staff writers, Mm -hmm. you know, but the show is about slavery and the owners of the company are white owners right. of the product like HBO with the whole show Confederate. I don't know if y'all heard about that whole debacle mm-hmm. where DB Vice and um, uh, David Benioff, they um, they're the creators of Game of Thrones and they have a show coming out called Confederate and I know y'all probably heard of this shit and the show's about slavery. These two creators of the show are white but their defense was oh, we have black writers. We have black writers. It's not diversity is is not it's not a thing that black people care about. Um, it's to make room for us. No, some black system. people care about it. I don't. I think black people care about it, but it's not necessarily for our benefit. Right. When you hear the right. word diversity, you should run. Yeah. Because it's not really meant for you. Yeah, it's to fill a quota. It's not it's actually a coin to, in a vending machine. You're not actually going to be safe in that space. No. It's just a wrap. No, it's it's the place Smooth, of black. Cool it's the place of black or brown body. You in are the likely space. an afterthought. Yes, and like mm-hmm. you said, it's the place of black and brown body in the space, not to take white supremacy out. Right. So, who are the majority shareholders in the in the companies or in the events or in the spaces or in the the media networks that you go and speak at or that you represent or that you get paid from? Mm-hmm. Who are these people? And I'm talking about not you, Erica, but you, anybody. Mm-hmm. If these people aren't looking like you, then you're not be you're being used. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is difficult to reconcile. And I think me being the type of person I am, I, I and and the further your star rises and the further I come along with you, it's like you have to we have to play nice constantly. It's yeah. a hard ass fucking job. When white people are being hella crazy and hella violent, I have to literally be happy Negro. Mm-hmm. I have to literally be happy Negro mm-hmm. and I'm very bad at happy Negro. Mm-hmm. I, I'm good at Negro. I'm yeah. not good at happy. Yeah. Um, especially in the face of violence and it is a survival mechanism. And so when you tinge that with the fact that white people are at exorbitant rates using social justice language, but still being hella shitty and fucked up and not trying to wield any power to marginalized communities, the same marginalized communities. You got that got you got motherfucking trans this and black this out your mouth and queer this and femme this out of white person mouth every ten second, every ten seconds mm-hmm. of every day. Mm-hmm. But I don't see anything shifting. I just read an article this morning, y'all. 
A nigga just read an article this morning about Jeff Bezos, the uh, the founder of Amazon, Will Gates, Bill Will Gates, Bill Gates, because <laughs> I'm about to say Warren Buffett, and that was like a little amalgam of those two names. Warren Buffett, <laughs> Bill Gates, and Jeff Bezos have more money than 64% of the U.S. population. Jeff Bezos, and just three one? people. 400 people, what is it? And the 400. top 400 millionaires and billionaires just in the United States alone have more money than the total population of Canada and Mexico combined. I'm just going to let that sit for y'all. It's an article I just read in The Guardian. 400. Just 400 millionaires and billionaires. Two of those out of the 400 are black. Of course, one is Oprah. And the second one... Two of them are black out of the 400? Uh, two of them are black. Who's the, the second? Um, Some guy named Robert Banks. I think his name is Robert Banks. And he's like a, a some type of... And did you say the fact sort. that those 400 people make up the wealth of more than Mexico and Canada? And Canada put together. That's 200... Uh, r- roughly 204 billion, million people to, get, to comprise... So I'm going to, and, and then on top of that, I see an article to bring it back full circle in Days and Confused magazine, which is a, a white magazine, probably a parent company or probably has a white owned parent company. It's a subs- mostly white writers. A lot of the content coming out of it appealing to a white audience, a younger white millennial audience. They got a fucking article talking about, oh, money is the only way. Money in in the Trump era, money is how black people are going to fight the system. Who wrote that? Well, I will will pull it up. It's an article in Days and Confused Magazine or Days Digital. In the Trump era. There was something I saw today that was like, in white supremacy, it's all we need during the Trump era. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, it says in the Trump era, money is black people's greatest weapon. Who wrote that? So I'll show you. I don't Wait, know. They can't see I that. I can't see that shit. Y'all <laughs> can't see that shit. But look it up, daysdigital.com in the Trump era. Don't, I mean, <laughs> it just blows my mind. It just blows my mind. Wow. Um, and it is clickbaity. It's clickbaity, but it's also dumb, and it doesn't make no sense. Because when has black when has money shielded black people from anything? Yeah. When have it doesn't we, even shield these picture these people who are pictured, which is Beyonce, Solange look like Jay Z, Rihanna, and there's some other black P. people. Diddy, the pers- the actor from Get Out, all oh, the cast of Girls Trip, I think. Yeah, because it made a hundred million. This is yeah. so ridiculous. It's all distraction. Yeah, it's um, all distraction. So yeah, I think this is what we just. These are things that I'm waking up reading. The you wealth, can't wake up and read that stuff anymore. You can't. I can't. But the wealth any. But the thing is, the wealth inequality in this world, the distribution of wealth, and how disproportionate it is, is something we can no longer ignore. Yeah. What's better than one billionaire? The fucking end to this. I don't even believe in the word equity or equality anymore. I just don't believe in that. And I'll mm-hmm. talk more about that in depth another day. But I just, I, I, I want y'all to sit with that and consider that. 
Um, what does equality mean? What does equity even mean? What do any of these things that we, these jargony sort of buzzwords that we use mean? Mm-hmm. Social justice is starting to not even mean anything. Right. Because I don't even know what's just inside of it. I feel like maybe that was a tactic of mainstream America is to get a hold of social justice so they can water it down to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Say that again. A tactic of mainstream America was to get a hold of it so they can water it down to mean nothing and center white people, inevitably. And white people center themselves in it even as they claim that they're trying to benefit us. Yeah. People All right. from marginalized communities. So we're going to move Let's on from Let's talk that. about something else. I'm All of this mad. is money. It's, it's, and it's infuriating. It's infuriating. I don't want to talk about Trump, babe. Oh, I was going to talk about Trump's proposed tax cuts. Just look that up. It's just uh, as a footnote. Do you want our, to talk about it? No, well, just a footnote to our last mm-hmm. conversation. So Trump's, one of Trump's uh, biggest thing is he's proposing these major tax cuts. I used to always wonder, like, what the point of taxes are. Like, why do we need taxes? Why do white people, first, I, I think a lot of white people are, especially in the political world, they have a huge problem with taxes. If you remember the Boston Tea Party. Like compulsory taxation is a way that the government gets money. It's just how it works to fund, you know, government programs and to also fund um, just the, the processes. You have to have government workers. You got to be able to pay them. Compulsory taxation taxation is just another way to pay for things that the government is saying it's going to do. So mm-hmm. it's the people actually paying for it through our taxes. Um so he's just trying to do all these tax cuts. If you look more into it, I won't go into depth here, but I do want y'all to look that up and keep that on your radar. It's Trump's proposed tax cuts because it affects everybody. If you live in the United States, if you live anywhere for the most part, compulsory taxation is a thing. Motherfuckers get taxed. You have property taxes, maybe if you own a home. If you don't own a home, you worked a job at some point in your life, you're going to be taxed. Um yeah, so it's just all around us. But those tax cuts are just going to keep people rich. are going to keep people like Jeff Bezos and Amazon rich. True. Um, and, and, and I thank you. I mean, somebody said feeling real good about the anti-capitalist message up in here. I feel good about it too, but at the end of the day, I'm still complicit. And I'll be the first to tell you that. You are very much complicit. You are. What you, the sauce... Shay, the thoughts that you had about we should talk. I mean, my one, one of my good friends, um, y'all should follow her. Tender Femme, T E N D E R F E M M E, does tarot readings. Um, and she came over and she did a tarot reading for us. And one of the cards that I got was this like little person sitting on coins, and he had a coin in his head and a coin on his side. And essentially what I call that card now is a shopping card, because that's what I've been doing. So someone asked, how do we take care of ourselves? Eb and I like to shop. Um, and I think that we use capitalism to for as therapy sometimes so retail therapy um and i think that's what a lot of people who we're not we certainly cannot claim low income but definitely folks who don't have like even well i can't say that that folks that have high income aren't stunting with their clothes but i feel like people with a lower income bracket to a no income bracket like to wear clothes that look nice because it's so much of our society is about how you look 
Mm-hmm. So I think we oftentimes get infatuated with shopping so we can stay and be, and it's also like we like style. We like, we like to look whatever quote unquote cool. We have a, like our vintage duds that we, that we like and all that jazz, but it's still retail, it's still shopping. So mm-hmm. even if we buy a $5 coat and it's fly as fuck from the flea market, we still indulge in retail like therapy. We can stay in the store for, I don't know three hours period i feel like so and then online shopping so we've been doing that a lot and i think we have been questioning ourselves as to why we are so indulged in material things like clothes and Mm -hmm. why if we can't have it then why do we make that mean something about us and yes we can say the easy answer is white supremacy (laughs) capitalism but a little going a little bit deeper is like what is it that we're afraid of if we can't have those things like what is the what's on the other end of not being able to purchase a four hundred dollar Mara Hoffman bathing suit? Like or a why thirteen hundred dollar Alpha <laughs> Industries shearling sheepskin coat for the winter? <laughs> he really wants that, um, <laughs> but I can't afford that. And uh, somebody also mentioned something like filling the spiritual void with material things. I definitely on a meta level get that. That's the case for a lot of people, mm. but I also think that's one of those convenient answers. Yeah. Like spiritually, I think I I have no spiritual voice. Spiritually, I'm very filled and I know the difference between them. I think to conflate how to conflate the needs of my spirit to my want of material things is just too convenient, it's too easy. It's not that I'm spiritually void and I want to fill it up with shit. What if you're spiritually full and you're very in tune with spirit in whatever ways that you relate to that, whether it's through religiosity, whether it's through the the Godhead figure, whatever you want to define, the divine feminine, whatever you, whatever your spiritual tradition or religious um, inclination is, if all of that is fulfilled and you still want to buy hell of shit, which is a case for a lot of people, one, one of them being myself, then I think it is something to look at. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's always this, this, rush to put it on the self mm-hmm. rush to put the blame on the person rather than the institution oh, to good. discount how fucking powerful they are it's good don't think that it's not capitalism it is yeah that's very if good i'm if i'm a black person in this country and my body is worthless and at one point i wasn't Ooh, even viewed as human talk i'm gonna buy up whatever the fuck let's I go want. let's go if I'm not human, I'm gonna be something else. I'm gonna be rich. But your body is bit. worthless, so you're gonna add things to it to make it I'm worth adorn something. I'm the fuck out oh, of myself. That's so good. And black and that's, and, 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 and intercommunally, what? black people are want to do that. But you know what? That's such an interesting, like comment to say because it makes me think about the difference between white cis men and black cis men, young white cis men and young black cis men, and how they dress. Young black cis men, not typically, but in a lot of times in the public eye, will wear hella chains. Like hella, like like diamond chains, everything. Gold chain, all of that. Gold all of my ring, all of that stuff. A white cis man, even Eminem, even in hip hop, he didn't wear all that shit. Right. I feel like it is like, it's, I feel like you have a theory here. I never thought of it. I, I mean, it's, I don't think it's an original thought. There, if, if black slavery, the impact of slavery, slavery was a dominant economic system in this country, mm-hmm. and it was built off black bodies. The b- bodies were currency. Mm-hmm. Black people's bodies were literally currency in this country. Yep. Why, when you have the opportunity, 
Why after reconstruction, when you have to, when you're pretty much set free, given nothing, like your relationship to materialism and to capitalism is really all that you see, which is white people's relationship. That's the only model and example that we've had is white people's relationship to materials. Mm-hmm. This, this, this white, so this is a word, the, the way that whiteness controls and wants to have and wants to dominate and wants to own. If you are powerless in this country economically and systemically, you can only own things. And only yeah. things is the order of the day, according to white people. You think you're going to get some power because that's how you've seen power model. Right. By owning things. Right. Owning people. Right. Can't do that now. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. So you have to own something. So, so but so that's wow. why I'm like, people, oh, we want to always put it on the person. Wow. Oh, black people you materialistic. Really or, you know, black, there was a study done by Nielsen that black women um, have, some, black people in general have some of the highest buying power and black women being among the highest of that group yeah true spending trillions of dollars one trillion is our buying power adding trillion black women alone adding trillions of dollars to the economy of this country and being treated like we ain't got no fucking money when you go into the store when you walk in LA and people follow you around yep you want to talk about that y'all I don't know about LA. This was the first time that I went, I was there for 24 hours. So I didn't really get to see LA, but this last time we were there for three days. So we got to hang out. I spoke, I was only at the event for like two and a half, maybe three hours. And then I got to actually hang out and be in LA for like three days. And Eb was showing me and you know, Ebony gets, I think Ebony gets excited when he's in California. It don't matter where in California, but he's like definitely at home when he's in, you know, East Oakland. But when he's in California in general, I feel like he's with his people. But only really in the East, only really in East Oakland. And you know, um, someone wrote to us, you know, Ebony went to UCLA, so he lived five years in LA. So he's showing me around and we had fun. But my experience in LA, not like it's distinct from other places, other states, but it is super racist. (laughs) <laughs> and it's almost blatantly racist and the the structure of the city of how and how I saw all of five people in three days all of five black mm-hmm. people in three days like yeah. how is that possible and then when I would walk into stores people would look at me as if I was about to ask for something not that they were there to serve me something like they were gonna I was about to ask for money I walked into one store and I was looking at a pair of shoes and there's another white person in the store, the white um, store clerk and another white customer. And the white customer was like, can I look at this jewelry? And the white clerk was like, yes. And then as she was opening the jewelry, she was looking at me. And I was like, this, I don't understand what's happening right now. And I'm, I'm just not, it's not that it, that doesn't happen in New York City. It just doesn't happen often in my experience here, I'm also a black femme. So I don't, it may be very different for black cis men or masculine presenting people. But in LA, I felt like any, any establishment that I walked into, there was like a questioning of why I was there. Yeah. Unless it was an all black establishment, that one restaurant. We Shout went out to. to the service bone in Inglewood. Shout <laughs> out. So I just, I thought that, you know, and I had this desire to, Maybe I need to dress up more. Maybe I need to show my bank account when I enter into a store. Maybe I need to wear um, some more expensive sneakers or I don't even fucking wear sneakers, more expensive shoes or have Gucci on my 
t-shirt somewhere like I need to do something more because they're all they're seeing is blackness and I need them to see that I actually have money in my account or that I can actually be here and then I'm starting to think like what the fuck they got me over here thinking that I'm worthless or reminding me that I'm worthless mm-hmm. and I just was I I mean it's not that I had it's funny it's not that I had a horrible time in LA it was familiar <laughs> I didn't have a horrible time right. I can't even tell you that that was horrible <laughs> it's right. just familiar right and and somebody I lived in so I lived in South Central 57th in Normandy I lived in Inglewood. I also lived in Westwood near UCLA which is West LA um and I lived in Palms if anybody really lives in LA or lived in LA for a time you know what the hell Palms and Culver City is like a big ass city that's essentially apartment building ain't nothing but apartments there <laughs> um and so my the thing with me in LA is that every stereotype that I've ever heard about it is true. And so I was super excited to show Erica LA cause I'm like, Oh shit, Erica would love LA It's warm. And so usually always sunny most of the time. Like Erica loves the beach. She's a fucking fish. She don't want to be in the water all the time. And we go there and I'm hella disappointed cause I'm like, white people are disgusting. I'm just like, y'all really marred what was an excitement for me around showing Erica, you know, L.A. And you did get shown L.A. Mm-hmm. You saw L.A. And mm-hmm. you experienced L.A. And shout out to all my niggas from L.A. Because, you know, they have, first of all, L.A. is super big and it's geographically spread. So if you're in South Central, if you're in Inglewood, it's not going to be the same if you're in, in, in L.A. We were in Abbott Kitty, you know, by fucking Venice Beach. You know, yeah. so it's a ton of white people over there. And I just, sometimes I want white people, I actually don't care what white people do at this point, but it'd be interesting to me if white people really thought about how they occupy space. Mm-hmm. If they were more self-conscious, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois, he talks about double consciousness. He talks about the veil and he describes mm-hmm. the paranoia that black people feel on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you are never divorced from your blackness. You never had a privilege to not think about your skin color. Mm -hmm. It's never not in the back of your mind or somewhere present. Mm -hmm. And even if it is, it will be reminded to you by somebody externally. Yeah. Um, But white people, I don't know if they ever get that level of introspection around their whiteness when they only surrounded by hella white people. Yeah, Jay Bellas, you said something really um, pithy. I've also done the same. So in this apartment that has three closets two of which are walk-in closets there is most of my stuff and ebony always comments and says why do you have so much stuff i literally have spent most of my life since i could shop i would say about 13 buying shit to prove that i was worth it or that i was worth something worth something more than your narrative Mm -hmm. about me so all these clothes in here that I don't even think about, that I don't even wear. I literally wear the same pair of jeans and a different top <laughs> or like a dress with a different jacket or like a head wrap. And that's it. Like most of these clothes don't get worn. And even my attachment to giving them away has something to do with my value. Because if they're gone, then that means I'm really not worth shit. Right. So our trips to Beacon's Closet are super hard for me because I'm like, but if it's gone, then what am I going to be? It's capitalism is fucked up. But it's white supremacy is fucked up. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be, it's no cart before the horse. Mm hmm. Motherfucking white supremacy. Yeah. Is the horse. Yeah. It's the horse. 
It's a fucking horse. And I'm sorry. And I don't care. And it's the truth. And I think with the watering down, to bring it back to social justice parlance, the watering down of that is having people believe that it's something else. Yep. And that's what happens. People people say that it's something else. Even when they're talking about all of these um, sexual assault cases, Mm -hmm. they literally always center it around cis men and not white supremacy. It has everything to do with white supremacy. White supremacy says control. What is sexual assault? It is control of your body. Why does that happen? White supremacy. I mean, who was doing that during slavery? Who was doing that? And who's doing it now? That you see light-skinned people? Who was doing it? And who's (laughs) doing it now? Right. Who's continuing? Who do you see? These high-profile 40, 50, 60-year-old sexual assault cases, sexual assault from yesterday. Who's doing it? And, then I and think, why aren't white cis men being associated with that in the same ways that black people are associated with criminality? And I, or black cis men. Are? I think white people get caught up because they hear white supremacy and they think, oh, like somebody was in here saying earlier, I just ignored. But somebody was in here saying like, I don't know what white supremacy is. And then they followed it up with, oh, um, not all white people are bad. And that's the thing. White people always take sh- white people, people in general, but white people, especially when talking about racism or white supremacy, they make it about themselves and then they lose focus that white supremacy also impacts them. Yeah. <laughs> it impacts them yeah. on so many levels. And one of those levels is called sexism. And like you, you another level to, is called stupidity, willful it, ignorance. <laughs> if we could get through your like white tears, then we could actually deal with the fact that white supremacy also impacts you because it's just control of your body. That's all it is. It's control of all things such that you can fit inside of this tiny box that some person, a part of some person on a fucking in in a in a position of privilege can benefit from right that's and it. i think the thing is is like it's not i don't give a like i think people think it's so bad to be called racist what about the racism that you ex, like people experience right it's like it's so that's ba- why- and that's the once being back to this language which is social justice shit mm-hmm. back to the language it's set, but the thing is is social justice far too often centers white people and i right. think my, the next time i do a workshop which is thursday um one of the tenants or one of the group norms is going to be this workshop will not center white tears or white feelings mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. gotta just be in this conversation centering black folks and centering the most marginalized because nobody has time like how many years have we done that we centered white people and it's gotten us every fucking conversation about feminism has to do with trump why why are you talking about trump why are you centering that fool why do you even talk about him for what it's gonna be more trump and they're already (laughs) hella trumps there's already been trumps (laughs) right and so this person just asks do you believe all white people i'm not engaging with that I'm going to engage with it very You don't have much quickly. time. I don't have much time. I'll engage with that question very quickly. It's not a belief that I have. I don't believe that two plus two is four. Cook. I don't believe that two plus two is four. There's no way for me to argue with that. I don't believe that when you put two eggs next to another two eggs, it's going to be four eggs on the table. <laughs> it is just the way that it works. White people have been conditioned to believe through institutional sanctions and systems that support it, that they are in power and more powerful and over other people. It's institutional. When they come out, they mother. That is the way that it is. That is what they're being conditioned to believe. 
in and schools is, you're only taught about white people and if you're a white person you don't necessarily question that because you are it's literally ingrained that you are exalted on high and right <laughs> and so when a white person so the question really is to ask it's not are all white people racist the question is is do all the the, the, the i've tired of people asking that question start asking white people when are they going to unsubscribe from racism yeah Start asking white people when they're going to divest from oppressive systems and stop perpetuating oppressive systems. When they're going to just divest. When you're going to unsubscribe, when you're going to divest, when you're going to stop fucking winning, when you're going to denounce it publicly, when you're going to denounce it in your everyday life, when you're going to teach your kids that, when you... When you gonna talk to Uncle Johnny about it? I don't give a fuck what you said on Facebook. I don't give a fuck what you said on Instagram. Did you tell Uncle Johnny who you've been afraid of for 20 years because he's your fucking uncle and he's racist as fuck? Have you talked to him yet? If you haven't talked to Uncle Johnny, then chances are you're not ready. Uncle Johnny, where are you? You know, I, I mean, where is Uncle Johnny? I need Uncle right. Johnny to be listening ahead right to We're head spending right. too much time on Uncle Johnny. Let's right. keep it pushing. Right. I feel like Perfect Segue is talking about Belize. Okay, so. We went to Belize, y'all. So after L.A., we went to Belize. Also, people in L.A., y'all can't dress. I don't understand. As somebody who lives in New York, we all we do is dress. Like, maybe that's the thing is that you could be wearing rags, hashtag Kanye West line, and people think that's fashion. Like, so in LA, I'm hella confused. It's like flip-flops and hoodies. And That's I'm it. so confused because I thought that y'all had money. See? Capitalism. <laughs> See? See? Stop coming from it. Start, stop coming from LA. I've been having hella people come from California. General, y'all so weird in California, y'all. Stop talking you that. You are of, weird in California. I don't believe we Black know people weird. are weird in California. What? Yeah, because y'all are, there's a, we've talked, well, we talked about this separately, but I feel like black people in California are, 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 are away from, are like most removed, not most removed from their African ancestry, like literally, but figuratively, like physically, time and physically and, and time and space. On yeah. the East Coast, we are all up on top of standing on slave ground. It did not happen in California. No, it didn't. But so, we brought it with us via the You great brought migration. it with you, but it's different to be standing yes. on that ground and to be navigating yes. and be surrounded by or 10 steps away from civil rights, you know, battlegrounds or fucking plantations. Well, I'm and from Oakland. Having weddings and plantations and shit. Okay, so. It's just a Black different... Panthers, hello. I'm from right. Oakland. Right, y'all had, this is where like revolutionary shit, not that revolutionary shit didn't happen on the East Coast, but revolutionary shit, you literally in the thick of it. So right. there's a different experience for you. You also been insulated around a lot of black folks. I love it. <laughs> Which I feel like on the East Coast, there's a lot of black people that have been around lots and tons more white people than they have black folks. Also just California is super ethnically diverse so we also have a huge immigrant community so not only did we grow up around california is a big ass state 13 percent only it's only about 13 percent black people and it's one of the largest states in this country so not a lot of black people in california but california we is mexico essentially yeah so it is mexico Mexico. period Mm -hmm. um so we have i grew up it is also really conservative so even though it's traditionally a blue state is very conservative there. Motherfuckers be hella poor. The distribution of wealth in California is, you want to talk about motherfuckers. horrible. Haves and have not. It's horrible. All that was also up. hard. That All was horrible. lumped up together, niggas, you know, right down the street from Pixar. 
motherfuckers having living in tents yeah right down the street from where all these disney movies is made yeah y'all riding through in beamers and rolls royce and all that yeah yeah while people are living in literal tents so my point being is that we ethnically people are situated based on socioeconomic status Mm -hmm. so i grew up around tongans i grew up around samoans i grew up around cambodians i grew up around other southeast asians laotian people i grew up around a lot of different Mm -hmm. um, mexican people el salvadorian people honduran people i grew up around all those we were all hella poor yeah black people live very closely and the ways in which y'all talk about you know diversity or people of color is way more vast than on the east coast when people are like what the some professor told me is when people talk about race what they mean oftentimes is black but in california that's not the case no that's very true that's an excellent point but we went to Belize, y'all, and Belize we went is to Belize. Shit. Belize is beautiful. If you have the opportunity to go to Belize, go to Belize. Go, 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 go. So, so stunning. The people are so incredibly beautiful. Um, it was a, it was a treat. It was a treat. I was working the whole time. Photo shoots are not a joke, y'all. All my kudos, all my love to models. I don't know how y'all do it back to back. My girl Philomena, um, follow her movements. She needs to put a book out asap um but she went from this photo shoot in belize to another photo shoot and it's just that's a lot of work and i you know i don't have the country i don't have that kind of energy at all um but you'll see those photos coming out in january i think with swimsuits for all um so definitely check that out that campaign out that was fun but belize was interesting and where we stayed was interesting yeah yeah. So I've never stayed in a resort before. I've seen all the commercials like on TV at night, the infomercials, come to Jamaica. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it'd be the resort and the white sand beaches and shit. And it'd just be looking hella lit. But it don't really mean no Jamaicans there. Like, no people from that actual place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was striking. It was striking. It was striking. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm a punk abbreviating what I have to say for a lot of different reasons. Um, but I will say that it just felt like the fifties. It did. And I was born in nineteen ninety. It felt like get out. It felt like get out. Yeah. For the people in Belize. It was like crazy. Um, and I, it was a white owned resort. I can yeah. say that without and saying that. And we didn't that. know that. And then the owner came out and was this white, cis white lady, um, old. And it was just so strange. It was just strange because I but was it talking. But it all came full circle yeah. when she came out. Because yeah. we were like, oh, Because wow. I was talking to one of the workers before I met her. And, you know, I was like, how long have you been working here? And are you from Belize? He's like, yeah, I'm born and raised here. And um, he was like, I've been working here three amazing years. And it sounded like a script, like something that they have to say. You know, I really love it here. It's great. Um, and then being like, the owners, they're disciplinarians, but they're really nice. And I'm just like, you know, I didn't want to be in his business and I didn't push it no further. Mm-hmm. But then I, as we, you know, they waiting on you hand and foot. They doing all types of shit for you. Yes, it's a resort. Yes, it's their job. But it just, it was very strange. Eerie. It yeah. was eerie. And, you know, we were, um, shout out to the makeup artist. She is actually, you know, of Bel- it's, that's her culture. She, her father is from Belize. But she lives in New York. And she was asking, you know, the people at the restaurant at the resort like hey do y'all have milk cake which is like a traditional dessert that they have in belize that everybody appear if you're from belize you know Mm -hmm. just like if you from 
anywhere in the South, somebody say, do y'all have fucking peach cobbler? They're going to be like, absolutely. We have peach cobbler. We have this type of woo woo. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person was like, everything on our menu was American food. Yep. Like I'm coming to Belize. So when I say we went to Belize, we didn't really go to Belize. We were at a resort. We need to go to Belize to actually experience Belize because we didn't have Belizean food. We didn't have what? We, no, no, I'm not reading. I'm thinking about that. Uh, we didn't have like, we didn't have like a, a Belizean experience. We had an American experience in Belize. Yes, literally. Now they <laughs> and that have- happens a lot in resorts because yeah, oftentimes no. people stay in resorts, especially in DR and Puerto Rico. There's not a lot of resorts in Puerto Rico, honestly. It's like when you go to Puerto Rico, you are going to experience Puerto Rico. Um, but DR, they have lots of resorts, and I feel like people stay on those those resorts so they don't have to actually experience the country. Well, so they, they have can to interact ex- with the people, right? So they get to experience DR in the ways in which it's comfortable for them. And resorts are trash. It's true. It's true. And and I'm and because of you know I have to punctuate some of the things I'm saying. Yeah, I'm yes. not punctuate, but I have to abbreviate some of the things that I'm saying. You know the the demands of the job, but you know and that's never my style. But it felt hella colonial. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just hella touched me. Like I'm still thinking about it. Like people living having to live on a resort, the prices of the resorts, and just how disproportionate that is to what the people have or what the people make. When we was driving up to the resort through Belize, through the town, I think it was San Ignacio is the name of the town. You know, all you see is you, you see like a bus stop here and there and it's just this beautiful lush plush land, but people don't have much. Yeah. It's like one little cement house or something like that. Yeah. Oh and, shit. We have a minute. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, we only have a minute left, but we're going to keep going on the podcast and y'all know where to find us. Yes. Um, yeah, it was just hella, it's it's just, talking about poverty, I just can't, I'm not finna mask it. Yeah. Like, it's 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 very real. Um, I mean, Belize is, a, is definitely a developing, developing country. country. Yeah. yeah. Um, but why have a resort in a developing country? Just like, why, why have a cafe in Brooklyn? Why have a resort in a developing country as a white person? Give the money to the Belizean people so they can do whatever the fuck they want with it. Right. <laughs> Why he make a resort? And I was also reading about um, the economies in developing countries like Belize and, the, and that whole resort culture is that the the transplants, the people who move there, the expatriates, they own the economy. They run the shit out there, not even the actual Belizean people. Bullshit. You need to say the last part, not even the Belizean people. Not even actual people from Belize. They have little or no autonomy over their economy. And it's also super important to realize that Belize was a colony of the British. Mm-hmm. It was known as British Honduras beforehand and not even many years ago. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it a colony of the Spanish too? I believe so. We're going to finish here. But We're, y'all need yeah. to tune in to Hood Rap. To Head Rap. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks for watching the live. We appreciate y'all. And we love you. Thank you so much for the love. It's winter. Y'all know what to do. Cuff, cuff, cuff. And go to therapy. You don't have to cuff, but that's one option. Definitely go to therapy. If you can. The winter is hard for most of us. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your mental health. Masturbation is always an option. Remember that. Or whatever other ways you design to take care of yourself. Go shopping. 
Remember okay. to subscribe, review, like, and share. Subscribe, review, like, and share the podcast. Yes, and please do so on iTunes. Definitely do so on SoundCloud, but iTunes is more important to us. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. I hope we didn't scare you. I think we can uh, wrap it up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. We can save that.